in the 12th chapter. I want to invite you to turn over to Luke chapter 12 with me. And we're going to be reading a portion of scripture that you may have heard before where Jesus is going to give us some words about worry. And we don't really need a sermon on worry, do we? No, nobody here is worried, right? Everybody here is totally cool, no problems whatsoever. No, I think we do need to hear from God's word when it comes to worry because it's something we all experience. And let's listen to the words of Jesus as he instructs and encourages us. Starting in verse 22 of Luke chapter 12, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or your body about what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap, or they have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? Do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things in your father, knows you need them but seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom sell your possessions give to the poor provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail where there is no thief who comes near and no moth that destroys for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. As you are seated, we do have Kingdom Kids today, which is our ministry for those who are four years old through second grade. And we welcome parents to send their kiddos to Kingdom Kids if they would like. Uh, right over here with Miss Marcia. They're going to head over to the upstairs of the uh, CLC right back behind the sanctuary where they can be picked up after service today. Uh, just a small little note, we, have, uh, we do not have nursery today. So, <laughs> so without nursery, it means we may have some uh, little, littler kiddos in here and we love hearing their voices. So just as we just said, do not worry. I know how it is, parents. I've got young kids myself. We worry in church how other people see our kids and how they interpret our parenting based on our kids' behavior. Just do not worry, all right? That's the theme of the sermon. Don't worry about that. No big deal. Because let me tell you, we, we would much prefer to be a church where we hear the laughter and even the uh, annoyances that kids like to share loudly with their parents. We would much rather be a church where we get to hear those things than a church who does not get to hear those things. So we are blessed by your kids. Parents, don't worry. It's going to be okay. All right. Now, with that being said, let's go to God in prayer and take a look at Jesus's words. Father God, thank you for this chance to be together on this beautiful day. You have blessed us in so many ways, but I, I recognize, God, we don't always feel that way. 
Oftentimes in our lives, we don't feel blessed. We feel uh, like we're going through very difficult circumstances. And maybe sometimes we feel like you're not there and you don't hear us. And, and God, we worry. We're afraid. We can be scared. We can lose hope. But God, that's part of why we come. We come today to give you honor and glory because you are God and you're worthy of our worship. But we also come because we are believing and trusting that you want us to be here because you are a father who gives good gifts to his children. And you have a gift through worship, through prayer, through your word that you want to give to us today. In the midst of our worry, you seek to help us. Thank you for being a God who wants to help us. And God, we pray that you would. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, uh, we all worry. I, I read what Jesus says, and I wonder if we were honest with ourselves, if we would not um, maybe give Jesus a little bit of a pushback when he says things like, do not worry about your life. He also says later, do not be afraid. Uh, when you hear that, you probably start to think about, I hope you're thinking about, the things that do worry you. Because I bet you've got a few, right? If you are walking upright and breathing, I'm guessing you probably have a worry or two going on in your life right now. I want you to think about it. I want you to bring it up in your mind. I want you to hold on to that thing in which you worry about as we go to God's word and seek his spirit's uh, ministry on our hearts today. I want, I want that to be at the forefront of your mind right now. What worries you? What keeps you up at night? What concerns you? What are those worries? If we're thinking categorically, I, I couldn't name all the categories, but, but I think of a few. Jesus names one of them, which is the basics of life. He is talking about, he's, he's talking primarily to people who are very poor. And let's be honest, in America, we're among the richest people in the world. And so we don't often fit into this category of the very poor that Jesus talks to. Doesn't mean Jesus doesn't have something to say to us. Don't get me wrong there. I'm just saying that sometimes we do worry, however, about the basics of life. You know, something gets broken in the home and, and we don't have enough money to fix it. The car breaks down and we don't have enough money to fix it. You know, and, and grocery bills, I know, they've gone up quite a bit. If you've got a lot of mouths to feed, that dollar doesn't get you quite as far as it used to. And, and those worries can build up in our lives. Even, even though we're in a wealthy country and by much of the world's standards we are wealthy, it doesn't mean we're free from worrying about what we're going to eat and the clothes that we're going to put on our kids' backs and all that kind of stuff, right? We, we still have those worries. So we may have a worry about the physical concerns of staples of life that we need, finances, etc. We may also worry for other people, right? you got people in your life you love, that you care about, and they're a hot mess, let's be honest, right? And you worry about them. You worry about how they're living their life, and it just seems like they're making one bad decision after another. Or, or maybe they're just on hard times. They're not making bad decisions. They're just going through tough circumstances, and you worry for them, right? Or maybe you, you worry about the future. It's hard to watch the news and not worry about the future. Let me tell you something. The news doesn't get you to watch the news by telling you good news. You already knew that, didn't you? 
They tell you the bad news, so you'll keep watching, right? There's something addictive about that. Same thing with social media. And so you see that, and what do you do? It's hard not to worry about the future when you see the world seems so dark at the moment. What will come next? Or maybe uh, you are a bit like me and you worry about your health. That's not something I used to worry about, but if you didn't know, I had a minor heart attack. And it feels weird to say it. It just feels surreal. Like, that didn't really happen to me. And now all of a sudden, like, I, I worry about that. I never worried about, you know, seeing my kids graduate and getting married and having kids. I never worried about that. I just assumed it. In the past few weeks, I have worried about that. So, hey, listen, if you're worried, we're in the same boat. I'm not up here as someone who does not worry telling you how to not worry. We are all warriors gathering around Jesus, asking him to help us with our worries. But let's not pretend like we're not worrying about something. You and I are worrying about something or someone. Those are just a few categories. You could probably think of a few more to add to the list. We all walk in here with a worry or two on our hearts. Here's, here's the problem with worry it doesn't actually do anything good it is uh i I like to think of worry is like a zero calorie food uh, which i'm becoming more familiar with lower calorie foods now thanks to the you know issue so i've got to watch that now but just imagine you know those rice cakes they have zero calories i don't care how bad it gets i'm not eating one of those but imagine if you did (laughs) imagine if you did eat one of those What does that do for you? What does it literally do for your physical body? It gives you no calories. It gives you no strength. That's what worry is like. It's a zero calorie activity. You can chew on it and you can chew on it and you can chew on it, but your body is none the stronger for it. That is like worry. So Jesus says to us here, listen, who of you you by worrying, verse 25, can add a single hour to your life? Now, uh, the phrase there is kind of an interesting uh, idiom in Hebrew thought, and it actually literally translated would sound more like, who of you by worrying can add a single cubit to your height? You can't make your height higher. In other words, you can't make your life longer. Jesus is saying you can't even make your life longer by a single hour. Not even one single hour will worrying add to your life. Now, uh, Marsha's been listening to a lot of books on cardiac stuff. And she gives me the information. I get like the uh, cliff notes, which I much prefer to actually reading the books myself. And she made me, and I emphasize made, okay? And she's not here, so I can say all this. Don't tell her. She's in Kingdom Kids with the kids, so I will tell you this because she's over there, this is between you and me, okay, so just be cool about this, all right. So she made me listen to this before we watched our show last night, and, and this, is, this is what I learned from the cardiac book from Marsha that I uh, didn't necessarily want to know, but now I know it, so I'm going to make you know it too, all right. It says, emotional stress makes your arteries constrict, it makes your blood clot faster, and those mechanisms may precipitate a heart attack or stroke. 
In addition, emotional stress makes the plaque or the blockage build up faster in your arteries. Now, what I just read was, worry can kill you. I didn't like hearing that because I just thought I need to eat less burgers, which I've been doing a good job of, down like 15 pounds. Not that I'm counting, but you can pray for that. I would appreciate it. But even if you eat all the right things, stress can affect you negatively, which I always knew that, but I always never understood how. And then she made me listen to this. I was like, oh, wow. It really does have a physiological effect on your life. So not only can you not out add an hour to your life by worrying, you are subtracting hours from your life by chronic worry. Now, this is probably a good place to explain something. I am talking about, and I think Scripture is talking about, chronic worry. Not concern for people. Not the pressure to that we feel sometimes like at work to do a good job and, and we've got something coming up and we've got a test and I've got to study. It's, it's not that kind of thing. It is the ongoing, anxious, chronic worry that never seems to go away. And it doesn't matter if one thing gets solved, we start worrying about something else. It doesn't matter if, if this kid of ours gets their life together, now we're worried about this kid. It doesn't matter if this financial problem solved, now we got this financial problem to worry about. It's that kind of chronic worry that just seems to never go away. It's not concern for people. It's not the good stress that we feel about doing a good job and getting things done and preparing for tests. Those kinds of things, it's not that. There's a difference between knowing I've got a test coming, I need to study, and I feel the pressure of that, and constantly worrying about my grades because if I don't make A's, I'm, I'm going to fail, and if I fail, I'm a failure, and if I'm a failure, I'm never going to make anything in my life. Like That is the kind of chronic worry that I think Jesus is talking about. And it's the kind of worry that doesn't add a single hour to your life. In fact, what we know that science shows us is it can take away from your life. At the heart of worry is the issue of faith. What we believe and what we trust and what we hope in. Now, where do we get that from? Jesus says it himself in verse 28. He says that little phrase, you of little faith. He says the worry, you and I, the, the chronic, ongoing, constant worry in our life comes from misplaced faith. And the place in which we are putting our faith is inadequate. It's weak. It can't hold up to our worries. And therefore, it feels like you've got this bridge that is rated for 10,000 pounds, and you've got this 20,000-pound truck going over it. The chances of structural damage and a cataclysmic event is likely. You and I, we have 20,000-pound worry, and when we place it in 10,000-pound places... They cannot hold up under the weight of our worry. Then we should expect that our life in the most meaningful parts is going to start to come apart. Jesus says this is an issue of faith. You who worry are of little faith. So therefore the solution is to not try to not worry. 
Let's not try, let me just think positive thoughts. Let me think happy thoughts, happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Let me just focus on, on the good things. Let me just pretend like it's not there. And that's why I said when we, when we got started here, I want you thinking about it. I don't want you to pretend like there's nothing on your heart that you're worrying about. I want you to think about it. I don't want you to shove it off to the side and act like it's not there. I'm hoping you will bring it up to God right here and right now as we talk about these things and invite God into it. Have you ever prayed about your worries, but you're not really praying? You're just talking out loud about the things you're upset about. And you don't really invite God into it? I want you to invite God into that worry. I want you to place your faith in Him. When we place our faith in God, when we recognize that the reason for the chronic, ongoing, debilitating worry in our life is because we're not having faith in God, but we're having faith in a million other places that cannot, cannot stand up to our worries. They're structurally unsound for the amount of worry we've got. I want us to draw our attention back to what would it look like to have faith in God? In the midst of your worries, what would it look like to have faith in God? Jesus shows us some ways in which we can have faith in God, some very specific things in which we should have faith in God. Three. I want to give you three that I find here in the Scriptures. <clears throat> Let me outline them first, and then we'll get into each one. First, to have faith that God knows. Second, to have faith that God cares. And third, to have faith that God provides. First, that, God has, that we should have faith in God that God knows. Second, that God cares. Third, that God provides. Now, where do we find this in the scripture? I'm not just making this up. I see Jesus saying it. The end of verse 30, <clears throat> these are the words of Jesus uh, picking up in the middle of, of verse 30. He says, and your father knows that you need them. Now, father is capitalized F because it's talking about who? God. God the father. He's saying God knows what you need. God is aware of what you worry about. And God wants to invite you to talk to Him about it. Not talk at Him about it, but to invite Him into the worry. Lord, I am so worried about this, and I don't know what to do, and I'm just so upset. I'm afraid this is going to happen, that's going to happen. God, how should I respond? How should I see this? Where is your strength? I need your strength in this. Lord, please help me with this. I want to invite you into my worry because I already know that you know. God does know. Often I've found both being a counselor to someone, not in the technical sense, but just hearing out someone's concerns, and being in counseling, which I've done that uh, several times in the professional sense, and if you need that, I'd say go for it because it's very helpful. One of the best things that happens in that conversation is someone speaks and someone listens. Someone is heard and someone is understood. In fact, I remember one specific thing that happened. This was years ago. I wasn't even at First Baptist Kennedy, okay? This is years ago. I'm sitting with someone who's just pouring out all the troubles of their life, and I'm just listening. And I'm asking them questions, you know, what do you mean by this? Or I heard you say this, is that right? As, it's called active listening. I'm just actively listening to what that. And then he got to the end, and this is probably a solid hour conversation where all I have done is ask questions and reflected what I've heard them say. 
And we get to the end of it, and I ask this person, I say, so how can I help? And you know what they said to me? I'll never forget this. You've already helped me. I just wanted someone to hear me. See, God wants to hear you. Unlike in that situation, I legitimately did not know all the things this person was going through. God does know. And he wants to hear from you. And just the act of unpacking with a God who knows what you need can be powerful. You are already worrying about it. Why not worry about it in the presence of God? And see what God will do. The second thing. What does it matter if they know if they don't care? I asked that man the last question, how can I help? Because I cared. Now imagine we got to the end of that and said, well, thanks for coming by. Uh, We'll see you later. What if I had shown no care whatsoever? They would have just got up, walked away, and never come back. They would not have felt helped at all. Because we don't want to just know that God knows, right? We want to know that God cares. That we matter to him. That our concerns are, are valid in his eyes. That, that he is with us in it and that it matters to him. That we matter. And what upsets us, he's aware of and he cares about. Jesus, he, he's an amazing illustrator. And he, you see it even in this little bitty section of scripture. You see him giving the most beautiful illustrations. He, he, he talks about birds. He says, consider the ravens, verse 24. They do not sow or reap. They have no sto- storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. He says, how much more valuable you are than birds. What does that tell us? God cares. You and I are more valuable than the most amazing creatures that he has ever made. You and I are more valuable than the most beautiful galaxies and the most impressive stars that are out there that God has made. You and I matter to God far more than anything else he has created. He has placed us up there, not because we're worthy of it, not because we've earned it somehow, by the very sheer fact that he has made us in his image and he chooses to value us, not because he has to value us, but because he chooses to value us. He cares about your worry. He not only knows about it, but he cares about it. Now, if we just know that God knows and we just know that God cares, honestly, it's still not enough. My children may know and care about some concern I have, but they're children. What can they do about it? Your friends or family may know and care about your greatest concerns, but they may be powerless to do anything about it. So it's not just enough that we have a God who knows and a God who cares, but we need a God who can do something. We need a God who can act. We need a God who can respond. We need a God who provides. And this is who Jesus says the Father in heaven is. Verse 31, he says, but seek the kingdom, his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. These things, 
that he's talking about here are the physical needs that we have. That's what he's talking specifically about. But I think it, it reaches beyond the physical needs, but it certainly is not limited to the beyond. It also includes the physical needs of clothing and food and drink and all those things that we need, those staples to survive. Jesus is saying, God knows, God cares, and God can provide. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes that's hard to believe because we're right in the thick of it. We're in the midst of the storm. We feel the worry intensely, and we don't really see much light at the end of the tunnel. And let me tell you, I get that, and it is a tough place to be. And I just want to tell you one thing that has stuck with me these past few weeks for sure, something you have probably, uh, something you have probably thought of before too. There's nothing new or revolutionary. But I got to tell you, I just, I thought of Jesus. If God has provided for me, for my greatest need, and listen, there are so many needs you and I have that can feel like the greatest need, but there really is no greater need than to be able to deal with your sin and mine. Because that sin doesn't have just implications for here and now. Our sin has eternal implications. Our sin is what damns us to hell for an eternity. That, to me, is like the biggest deal. That, that I can't think of anything scarier or more important or worthy of worry than what do I do with my faults and my failures, my sins? What do I do with that? The weight of it. I can't even live up to my own expectations, much less God's. What do I do with that? And here God has provided for my greatest need. I need food, I need water, I need drink. I need a vehicle that can get me around. I need a home that will keep us warm in the winter for those two days and then cool in the summer for the rest of the days. I need that stuff. But I need a way to deal with my sin far more than any other need that I have, as important as those needs are. So what we know is that God has provided for our greatest need. How? Through Christ Jesus going to the cross is taking our sins for us. His death is dying the death we should die in our sins. His resurrection is, is showing the power of God to restore you and me for eternity. God has provided for our greatest need. Will he not provide for this need? The worry you have now, will he not provide for that? Sure, it may not be the way you want. may, may not exactly match the prayers you prayed. That often happens. But I'm trusting and believing, I'm having faith that when we get into glory, we'll look back at all those needs and say, God met it perfectly. Not the way I wanted, not the way I'd hoped, not the way I'd prayed, but God met that need perfectly. God met that need perfectly, and God met that need perfectly. And I couldn't see it in the moment, but God met that need perfectly. But one day we will see that God is not only one who knew, not only one who cared, but he was also one who provided. Even when I couldn't see it, he was providing. So in this present moment, what I want to encourage us with is to not just have faith as a noun, as a thing we possess, but also to have faith as a verb, a thing that we practice, a thing that we do. Now here's something that's really interesting I find about this passage of worry, is that this whole conversation doesn't begin in verse 22 with the words of Jesus, therefore I tell you, do not worry. 
This whole teaching begins a section prior to, which has Jesus having this conversation with a rich man. Now, this is not a parable. This is actually, a, this happened. Rabbi, which is what Jesus is, was seen as authoritative, not just in religious matters, but in all matters. They held them in high esteem. And so they would ask rabbis legal questions. And so you have here a, a man who says to Jesus out from the crowd, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Verse 13 of Luke chapter 12. And Jesus says, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? What he says is, I see what you're getting at. This is presumably the younger brother. Older, the oldest brother would have gotten uh, more, uh, more share than any of the other siblings. And maybe this older brother was holding out on the younger brother. Or the younger brother wanted an equal share. It's not exactly clear. But we know that he wanted the division of the inheritance to be favorable for him. And Jesus sees right through his request to give a fair ruling. And he knows what's on his heart. What's on his heart is worry. I'm worried about getting mine. And so Jesus expands his teaching, not just to this man, but to all who are there. In verse, thir in verse uh, 15, he says, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. And he gives this parable of a certain rich man who has an abundant harvest. And he says, what am I going to do with all this? He doesn't think about God. He thinks about himself. So he plans on tearing down his barns, building bigger barns so he can store much more stuff. And Jesus says, this man's a fool because his life will be demanded of him. And the very one he cut out of his worry, what will I do with all my possessions that are so great? The very person he cut out of his worry, God himself, he's going to meet him a lot faster than this guy thought he ever would. So God says to him in this parable, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded of you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And Jesus gives this teaching. He says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Here's where we're going with this, okay? Your faith in mind. Jesus says the heart of this issue is where you place your faith. Later on, he says, where your treasure is, that is what I have faith in, there my heart will be also. What I have faith in, guess what? That's what I'm going to think about. And in this context, that's what I'm going to anxiously worry about all the time because that's where my faith is. I, I in some sense, maybe know I've got a 20,000-pound load going over a 10,000-pound bridge. I'm worried about this. Jesus is teaching us something I think that is really profound which is our faith should be a faith in action not just something we possess but something we do and what he tells us here i think this is i'm still wrestling with it myself to be honest with you but he says you need to head in the opposite direction that worry wants you to go he says the rich the the brother who wants his inheritance split the rich young fool and those who worry, all of them have this central problem. Their faith that is not in God is drawing them in a particular direction. And Jesus says, you not only need to have faith, 
you need to exercise faith in the opposite direction. So if you are constantly worried about your money and you become a miser and you hoard it, Jesus says the solution is not just to believe that God provides for you, it's to act as if God provides for you. It's to exercise faith, not just have faith. And so he says, give it away. Give it away. I've been thinking about that. What would that mean for us who worry in other categories? What does it look like to head in the opposite direction that worry would have us to go when we worry about our health? When we worry about our loved ones? When we worry about our jobs? When we worry about our grades? When we worry about our future? Wherever worry wants us to go, what would it look like to head in the opposite direction? Not just mentally, but literally. Not just believing God, but acting on that belief. And I got to tell you, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's worth thinking about. It's worth praying about. It's worth asking God, God, I'm so worried about this. Help me go in a different direction than where he wants me to go. Help me to act out on my faith. That's my challenge to you. What is that worry that came up as we began? As you heard those first words of Jesus, do not worry. Yeah, right. You don't know. Of course we do. We've already covered that. I'm not going to go there. You know he knows. We hear those words and we think, yeah, right. What is that thing for you? What would it look like? To have not only faith in God, but to walk in that faith with God and go in the opposite direction that worry wants you to go. That's our invitation. That's our prayer. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, worry, you know, touches every soul here. One way or another. And God, I pray that we would just begin by being honest with you about that. We would even now, I would love it if everybody here would just tune me out and just start talking to you. Even now, we would just begin to express our worries that we've been holding inside, we've been thinking about, maybe we've been talking to other people about, but we haven't been talking to you. Help us to invite you into our worry, that you may correct how we see things. And God, I pray that you would help make it specific for us, that we would know what it looks like to walk in faith in that area of worry in our lives. That now or in the coming moments or days, you make it clear to us, this is what walking in faith, opposite of the direction that worry wants me to go. Just show us that. And we would not only have faith in a God who knows, a God who cares, a God who provides. We not only have faith in that, but we'd have enough faith to act upon what we know is true. So as you make that clear to us, Father, help us also to be obedient to your call in our lives, to put your kingdom first in our lives, to head in your direction and not the direction where he wants us to go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.